Hello, I'm Melanie Cole. Welcome to Anxiety in Schools, a special podcast series from Rogers Behavioral Health. This is episode number four of our six-part series where we look at anxiety and how it can impact learning. In this episode, we'll discuss reassurance seeking, and I'd like to welcome Dr. David Jacoby. He's the lead psychologist in child and adolescent CBT services at Rogers Behavioral Health. Dr. Jacoby, what is reassurance seeking, and is that something that is done pretty commonly by an anxious child? Reassurance, especially for children, is an easy way to you know, get their needs met and specifically to help reduce their anxiety. So we consider it to be a form of you know, accommodation, certainly on the part of parents uh, or school personnel. Reassurance-seeking really fundamentally is about anxiety reduction. So the child will generally repeat a question over and over again. Uh, they may challenge or argue with the individual providing that response because they're looking for a specific response to ease their distress and anxiety. Uh, they may ask anyone who's able to provide them with that reassurance. Uh, again, they want that specific response and definitive answers to those kinds of reassurance requests. Does it send a message when we reassure that these thoughts that they're having are very important? Are we validating that these child's concerns are real? I think, you know, when parents do provide that reassurance, they, they do it for you know, a couple of reasons. One is that it does ease the child's anxiety pretty quickly. Uh, that said, it also typically eases the, the parent's anxiety as well because they don't like to see their child distress. Uh, they don't want to see them, you know, deal with this anxiety any longer really than they need to. But I think the unintended consequence is, as you're saying, that it sends a message that I have to do this, otherwise the child can't cope, or that something terrible will happen if that reassurance isn't provided. So that's really one of the reasons that we really encourage parents and, and teachers and anybody else who has an interaction with a child to learn how to you know, fairly quickly reduce that reassurance so the child can learn that a lot of things that they're concerned about and that they need reassurance for really aren't uh, likely to occur that, and even if some of these bad things do happen, that the child really has the ability, the wherewithal to be able to manage and cope with those situations. Is there a difference then between information versus reassurance seeking? I mean, if our child is saying, is daddy going to be okay when he goes away? We're giving information. Oh, yes. Well, flying is very safe. Or yes, he's taking the train. Whatever it is, that's information. But what about versus reassurance? That's a good question. I, I think it can be really difficult for families who aren't familiar with anxiety or even as the anxiety um, disorder develops. A lot of the questions that kids are asking seem like kind of questions a, a kid would normally ask. But when we look at the differences between information and reassurance seeking, we do see some differences. Generally, with information seeking, the child will just ask the question once. They're looking for specific information, typically. Even if they're not given uh, an answer necessarily that they're wanting or a complete answer, they're usually okay with that. Um, they may also answer questions or ask questions that are really unanswerable, meaning, you know, I'm not sure if you're going to know the answer to this, but I'd like to ask it anyway. And they're also okay generally with... Um, you know, accepting what we call a relative or qualified response, meaning I'm not exactly sure, I'll check on it and get back to you. 
Are there some levels of validation that parents and the school systems might be giving that anxious child that's seeking reassurance? And then, Dr. Jacoby, give us some strategies to reduce reassurance seeking by that anxious child. Yeah, there's a, you know, a couple ways I think that, you know, family members and school personnel can intervene. And sort of generally, we talk about validation. So, you know, validation is a great skill uh, for family members to develop, uh, again, because it does show that you're interested, um, that you're empathizing, but you're not providing that reassurance. Other kind of general strategies that we use pretty routinely in working with kids with anxiety are things like providing uncertain responses. So putting it back on the child by saying things like, what do you think? Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. And what we're really trying to do is not give that um, child the ability to reduce their anxiety. We actually want them to work through that feeling of anxiety to realize that they can manage it. We can also limit the number of worry questions in a given time frame, working, of course, to kind of reduce that over, over time. We can ask a child also to delay uh, that reassurance. In other words, a child may ask for reassurance about something. We may say, let's wait five or ten minutes and come back to this. And if you still feel like you need to you know, get that reassurance, you know, perhaps we can provide that, but I'm hoping that with some time, you may find that your anxiety about this reduces. And then lastly, I think sometimes with our older teens, they may have very specific goals in terms of being participating socially or in sports, moving on to college, for example. And so we may be able to look at sort of the cost benefit or the long-term versus short-term benefits of going without reassurance uh, requests uh, and so forth. Really great information, Dr. Jacoby. So wrap it up for us with some of your best advice as you just stated some of the role model responses and what the parents or school professionals are to do when a child consistently seeks this reassurance, what you want them to know about the difference between validation and reassurance. So wrap it up for us. Sure. So it, it can be very difficult and very challenging, I think, especially for school personnel to you know, recognize that a child is asking for reassurance. Um, you know, these are kids that may be asking the same sorts of questions again over and over. There just seems to be a change in terms of their, you know, uh, observable anxiety, uh, their avoidance of, of school or tasks related to school, uh, problems, for example, with being able to focus. Um, and these are changes, again, from sort of previous levels of functioning. So when, when teachers and school counselors begin to notice these sorts of things, it's certainly good to be able to um, identify the types of behaviors that are problematic. So is it asking for a lot of reassurance about homework tasks? Is it leaving the classroom repeatedly because of anxiety, uh, feelings of anxiety? And then to have a strategy to intervene. So it might be simple things like providing a very um, uncertain response, like, I've already answered that, what do you think? Or I'm not exactly sure. Um, it could be, again, limiting the number of times the child's able to leave that classroom. Or if they are able to leave, make it very time limited so that the child can kind of regroup but then return to the classroom. Again, you're trying to learn and teach the child, essentially, that they can cope with these feelings of uncertainty, of anxiety, and still continue. We also encourage our 
school personnel in particular to recognize when the anxiety disorder might be just too much for them, you know, too much for them to handle in the classroom setting. So working with an outpatient provider, working uh, with an intensive outpatient uh, program, for example, can be a great way to get that child the help that they need and then return to the classroom with some support that would lead them to be able to maintain those treatment gains and be able to function effectively in the classroom. So as we talk to uh, school personnel, you know, part of this is going to be identifying when you believe that your child has an anxiety uh, disorder, knowing the limitations to what you believe that you can offer in a classroom setting in terms of setting some limits, providing some exposure work, uh, talking to the parents about what's happening in the school setting, as well as giving them some education about the appropriate treatments for anxiety disorders. And then, of course, as I mentioned, knowing when to refer out to get that specialized help uh, for the for the student so that they can, again, be successful in the classroom setting. Thank you so much, Dr. Jacoby, for sharing your expertise with us today. Rogers Behavioral Health is working each day to ensure that those with mental health challenges have access to the highest quality of care and most effective treatment available today. To learn more about the many ways Rogers can help children, teens, families, and schools, please visit rogersbh.org today. That's rogersbh.org. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.